Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As you listen to the Business Creators Radio Show, I want you to imagine yourself being that third person in a mastermind conversation gathering those aha moments and those answers to questions you didn't even think to ask that can bring you potentially closer to changing your trajectory or at least moving a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So I'm coming to you from my purple couch in my sumptuous apartment here in Las Vegas, known to some as the hottest city in America. And today we're going to be speaking about the fundamentals of accounting and reporting for non-financial executives. Now, what the heck does that mean? So entrepreneurs did not embark on their journey to become accountants. You can ask my CPA. I've had the same CPA for 20 years, and he'll tell you. I certainly did not get into this so that I could do filings and numbers and things like that. In fact, the primary value that he provides to me is making sure that all that stuff gets done because he geeks out on it. I can't even fathom it. So as our businesses flourish and demands multiply, what happens is we need more expertise to lighten the load and provide that support to make the journey smoother and more successful because there's no bump in the road like having an issue with your accounting. So today we have with us Kira Wisman, and she's a dynamic, dedicated operational and finance leader offering over 20 years experience in both the public and private sectors. Her leadership style is collaborative and compassionate, and she brings an array of excellent technical skills with a practical application to the table, as I would certainly hope a CPA or a CIA or an accountant or what have you would be able to do. So she is somebody who is definitely worth paying attention to as we dive into this topic, and I trust that there's something within what we're about to discover that may help make your life easier. And with that, Kira Wisman, come on in. The weather's fine. Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me. I am honored to be here. Happy to talk through why some of these financial metrics and financial statements and all the numbers are important to you, even if you're not involved in the compilation of them into the financial statements or reports that you're using every month. Um, it is important to understand the basics. It's important to have a qualified individual working with you so that you can have faith that the numbers you're getting are accurate and that you know running your business with these numbers is critical to success. If you don't know how much money you're making, how much money you have, which don't always correlate, um, you aren't gonna be successful in the long run. So you know, let, let's kind of break down the financial statements and figure out what's um, what, what questions you can ask. Yeah, because whenever I need this data, I have to ask my CPA every single time, what does it mean and where do I find it? And uh, he and he patiently answers for the 57th time, which is why he gets his retainer on time every month. So <laughs> people sometimes ask, why do I pay him so much? Because my business model is relatively small, simple and straightforward. And for the dollar amount I pay him every month, uh, the reason we worked it out that way is partially so that when he does the quarterlies and the annuals, I don't get hit with really big bills all at once. We just kind of spread over the course of the year. The second thing is, is paying a little bit more means I think about it a lot less. So that's a, that's a mindset that I encourage entrepreneurs to have. And at the same time, I agree with you that it's important for us to be able to find the numbers when we need it. When I need the numbers, it's usually because I'm uh, pursuing financing for the business or doing something that involves verifying the business's income and how that translates to my personal income, particularly those of us who own single member limited liability companies. 
there's uh, there's a difference between our paycheck and our actual earnings. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yes, absolutely. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, on paper, I'd be better off working at McDonald's, but I actually make a lot more money than that. It's all perfectly legal when you understand shareholder distributions. Now, I've read off your official bio, and you've told us a little bit more, and it's all so impressive and intriguing. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. So we did the official version. Now what we want to do is pull back the curtain a little bit before we get into some of the intriguing questions you want me to ask you for our listeners. So tell us in your own words a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Absolutely. I've, I've kind of had a, a roundabout path to get where I am today. I've had some detours, took the fork in the road, took the left, you know, the, the untraveled path, if you will, uh, in a yep. lot of respects, which has really given me some interesting insights that you might not see from a standard accountant. Uh, you know, that that's that operational focus. Um, most interestingly, I, you know, I graduated from college with an accounting degree and went into public accounting like everybody did back in the day, a million years ago. And uh, I eventually had a boyfriend who was a professional gambler who was moving uh, out of the country to start an online gambling operation in 1999, back when that, that was, uh, you know, a less than savory industry. Uh, so, I thought, oh my goodness, I can't leave this person behind. And off I went to, I, I left accounting for a little while and moved to Costa Rica to start an online gambling enterprise. Um, uh -huh. You know, ultimately um, the relationship didn't last. So the the career in online gambling didn't last. And I came home and rejoined the public accounting arena for the next 15 years with a heavy tax focus. You know, I was, um, the, the firms I worked for were tax heavy. I think that's often the case with public. So, you know, I, I kind of ran the gambit for years and years with personal trust, business, you know, everything from partnership returns to LLCs to C-Corps to S-Corps. You know, I prepared a lot of tax returns for a lot of different types of businesses. Uh, ultimately decided that, you know, tax really wasn't for me. It wasn't as exciting. It wasn't as dynamic. I was I didn't feel like I was helping people succeed in their business. So I, I looked elsewhere and joined a company in my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for the next 10 years as their controller, built their accounting department from the ground up, helped them grow their business regionally in the area, and learned a whole lot about getting the accounting department to work harmoniously with the rest of the organization. Most of the time, people see accountants coming and they run the other way. They know they're going to be asked to do something they don't understand or don't care about. So you know, I, I really worked hard to kind of bridge that gap. Um, and in the middle of all of that, I got a psychology degree because I felt it was it was something I was interested in. And I felt it was very important to be able to kind of understand personalities, understand different people's different passions in different areas of business to be able to kind of bring everybody together better. So I managed to do that rather successfully. Uh, that business was sold and moved with, into a, the private equity group. I didn't particularly like the direction they were heading with the business. So I left, uh, did a short trip with a, a country club in my hometown. Uh, yeah. That was challenging. And then I ended up here at KWC in their advisory department as a CFO slash controller slash advisory person, you know, helping all sorts of businesses grow, maintain, uh, pivot, uh, do j even just daily bookkeeping and accounting with the team that we have. Um, so, you know, it's it's a pretty exciting place to be. I get to harness all my my talents and passions and I, I couldn't be any happier. Well, that is a fantastic story. And part of the reason I wanted to have you here today, if I, if I understand this correctly, and uh, please correct my terminology or any of my assumptions as we go along, you're the subject matter expert here, as I very fluidly explained earlier. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Are we see are we in fact seeing a trend where uh, companies of a certain size tend to outsource their finance department or outsource their CFO? Yes, very much so. It, it has become kind of a, a hotbed for public accounting firms all over the country in recent years and is only growing. You know, it, it is a lot more effective oftentimes for a small to medium sized business, even a large business, if you're not, you know, you don't have a huge volume of transactions to outsource that function to a third party. You know, you get all the 
the pros of having a professional accountant in charge with a, with a staff of professional accountants under them. And you also get access to their tax departments, their advisory department, uh, you know, business services groups, things the, with, with people with specialties that you might have to pay a whole lot of money for if you were, you know, outsourcing that separately within your organization. So there, there's a, it, it's a pretty profitable trend. You know, we can do like what you were talking about with monthly fees. We spread that out over the course of a year. So you're not getting hit quarterly or annually with an enormous fee, uh, you know, and within different tiers of service, we can provide different tiers of, of work for you. So, you know, we have it broken down pretty specifically, everything from just rote transaction processing all the way up to financial statement preparation, interpretation, budgeting, forecasting, and so on. So we definitely run the gamut of, of offerings. Well, and I see this not only with, the financial side of it, but also, for example, uh, the human resource function. That outsourcing human resources has become such a major thing. I went to Duquesne University right there in your neck of the woods for my MBA back about 20 years ago. My concentration was human resource management. At the time, my career goal was to become a training development director for a Fortune 100. Now, in the HR curriculum, uh, we learned the shell of how human resources works and we got a bit of that altruistic sense of it. And then when I actually went to apply for an HR job, I found out that at least the companies I applied, it was mostly about compliance. And there seemed to be this real heavy emphasis on, well, when we decide we want to fire somebody, how do we go about creating the progressive documentation process to kick their ass out the door faster? Gee, I wanted to be part of that. Now, Something that was pointed out that turned out to be very pressing at the time is that, and this is something one of my professors said, is that human resources isn't human resources anymore. Mm-hmm. And what he meant by it was that it wasn't going to be viewed as the same type of powerful internal function that it previously was. The side of it that dealt with compliance of you know, labor laws, et cetera, payroll, et cetera was going to find itself being more separated from the more altruistic side of human resources it has to do with training and development, um, employee engagement, uh, retention and recruitment, et cetera. And mm-hmm. that's turned out to be very much the case. I can tell you that uh, among my circle of colleagues, two of the busiest ones I know own uh, outsource HR consulting firms. In fact, one of them paid me for a $5,000 project three years ago he hasn't gotten to yet. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's not because he doesn't want to. It's because he's that busy. Absolutely. You know, and, and you're so right when you, you haven't really heard it said like that in, in a long time. But you're right. There's that compliance payroll aspect of HR. And there's the, the human aspect of making sure your people are motivated, making sure everybody wants to come to work every day, you know, as much as anybody wants to come to work. Um, getting people trained right, get, understanding how to get people, people's understanding people's talents and making sure we get those talents used in the most effective way for the individual and the business. And, you know, that that's kind of where I say I have an operational focus. That's almost become an operations management segment of a business and, and payroll and HR is truly become compliance. And like you said, how do we document the fact that we need to let somebody go? How do we document performance for raises? You know, are we following all the laws, which seem to be consistently changing? Um, so yeah, you know, that, that it is two, two different, uh, two different animals entirely. And unfortunately, I don't think many businesses these days, unless very large businesses can afford to have that just in, in operational per person. And I'm not talking operations from, Hey, are all of my widgets moving down the assembly line properly? You know, are all, is all of my inventory be, being counted accurately and in, you know, any adjustments made, th- those sorts of things that that's important operationally too, but understanding the human um, condition and how to, how to harness it the most effectively, because you're going to have a, an enormous amount of personalities in your business. And you, you need to understand that, you know, somebody that's introverted, they may not be outspoken about what their talents are, but it's your job as a manager to get in there and find out what they right. want, they're good at. And it might take, it, it takes different tactics. Uh, and, you know, that's something that in accounting you don't see very often because accountants aren't usually people people, they're numbers people. So, you know, to, to find, 
yeah, to find that balance is, is you know, sometimes difficult. Um, and, it, and it's one of the reasons I think I was brought into KWC is because I really, really have a passion for making sure people stay in accounting. If there's a crisis in our industry. Nobody is majoring in accounting anymore. People aren't sitting for the CPA exam for an for a variety of reasons, in public accounting, it has no sex appeal. Everybody wants to be in private equity and finance. They're going into the numbers, um, numbers game, and so you know that that's kind of why I have kind of bring a real world presence to accounting, if you will. I, I you know let's talk plain language. We don't have to get into all the rules and regulations every day when we're talking to business people or even talking to our coworkers. Let's talk about things in a language that makes sense to everybody. Yeah, see, that right there really highlights something. And I've been aware of this, and I'm so glad you pointed out, is that there has been a decline in people actually sitting for the CPA and getting the CPA license or the CIA, the Certified Internal Auditor, something along those lines, uh, because it's just not viewed as the sexiest thing. And then you have folks who uh, you know are needed and businesses to do accounting and well that's just not as exciting i mean uh, it's like i mean like what i what i among other things i grew up thinking that i was going to become a lawyer when i grew up and it ended up not turning out that way but when people think of lawyers they think of those shows they see on tv of the criminal defense attorney who uh pulls off that legendary zinger that changes the course of history in that fictional trial whereas and people tried to tell me this at the time and it took me a while before i recognized it as an attorney you're going to find yourself doing more likely one of two things if you want to actually make a lot of money at it one is you're going to be defending the indefensible you're going to be making the case the people who did absolutely bastardly things had every right to do so and the other is you're going to spend a lot of time doing paperwork and reading that the actual time in court is a very small piece of it. And in many cases, you'll never see the inside of a courtroom. Right. And I thought, whoa, yeah. Uh, and so my ninth semester at Penn State, when I was set to graduate, my next step was supposed to be taking the LSAT and heading off to law school. And six weeks before I graduate, I decide there's no way in hell I'm doing this. So I, yeah. Right. So uh, overall, you know, we've covered some of the issues, but what other struggles from a macro perspective do you see with small to medium sized businesses these days? I'll tell you, uh, nobody understands the value of a balance sheet. Uh, yeah. they, the value, they don't even know what a balance sheet really is, much less the value of understanding that really important picture in time. Uh, I mean, we can we can start there because I think that that we can branch out from understanding a balance sheet to understanding the difference between what your net income or losses on a profit and loss statement versus how much money you have in your bank account. Because those two things, while related, are, are often not necessarily. Yeah. Same. Well, they are, they are rarely the same. Right. Right. Run a lemonade stand. <laughs> ex ex exactly. And you know, I know enough about taxes to know, and I'm just going to say this, however, it comes out. Um, but I think you'll be able to um, edit what I'm saying is there is sometimes a difference between the physical amount of money that's showing in your bank account and the amount of company amount of money your company actually has on hand uh, yeah yeah absolutely you know what you know what you know what i mean um like i can give you a very mac micro example uh I, when i have transactions come in uh where it's either outgoing things or incoming things through my paypal accounts because i have recurring things that go out and i have clients that pay in through paypal mm -hmm. and i try and keep the PayPal at zero balance so that it accurately reflects when I transpose that data into QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. However, sometimes I'll get paid on something and then some other recurring charge comes and eats a piece of it. Right. But then, but then, but then I also need to show the transaction fees. And then since there's, there are working capital loans attached to the PayPal account, I need to show payment off on those loans that never makes it to my corporate checking account. So in some cases, uh, we actually have to create fictitious entries that create the reality that we were expecting and make yes. the numbers match. 
Yes, and that that's where accounting comes in. That that yeah. is an excellent example. Let, let me using a loan as an example. You go to a bank and you get a loan for a hundred thousand dollars, and so obviously they're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. So now you have a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account. Let's say that's the only thing you did this month. And then what do you have? Did you make a hundred thousand dollars? Did your business earn a hundred thousand dollars? No, it didn't. You borrowed money. So you might have cash, but your business didn't make anything because you didn't actually sell anything. So you might be sitting here going, this is fantastic. I have $100,000 now. What am I going to do with it? Your you business know? didn't make squat that month. You, you had no you had no client transaction, no revenue. It was just a loan. Uh, also, if you uh, also if, like, let's say you got a tax refund on the personal side. If mm -hmm. you're an, an LLC owner, you're because you have the pass through taxation it comes through on the personal side. And you say, you know what? I want to reinvest all this in my business. So you uh, have a check cut to the company and you send all that money into the company. That wasn't revenue for the company. That was oh. uh, that was paid in capital or reinvestment or whatever term you and your accountant decide to use for it. Exactly. So, I mean, that's why it's really important to know, you know, let's take that $100,000 loan that we just got. Now we go out and we buy a $100,000 piece of equipment that we are going to use to make whatever our business is going to sell. So we still, we've spent $100,000 now, but we didn't, we don't have $100,000 of expense because we have an item to show for it. We have a big item that's going to be a money-making machine for our business. So that is now an asset. So we have no money in the bank account. We're effectively zero. And now we have an asset worth $100,000. And so now we can start making our widgets to sell or, you know, whatever we're going to do with it. So again, we still have no profit or loss. We have no income statement and we are out of money. And people think, well, how in the world can you not have a loss of $100,000? Because you don't. You have, you have something to show for that $100,000. You didn't just pay a cable bill. You didn't just pay your employees. You know, you, you bought a, something that is now going to be used for hopefully many years to make whatever it is you're gonna sell. So that balance sheet is in short, a picture in time of all of the assets that you have. And assets are anything of value uh, that is, could be cash, it could be money your customers owe you, it could be machinery that you've bought for your business, it can be a copyright or a trademark that you have applied for, it can be something that is as intangible as my name of my business is worth a lot of money. So I be, feel that my the name of my business is worth a million dollars. That's called good. Uh -huh. Those are all that is the value of your business. If you don't know what that is, then you you don't really know where you are, or how successful you are. Because at the end of the day, what you have less what you owe should hopefully leave you with a positive number, uh -huh. and that's what your business is worth at any point in time. On a very, very simple scale. So understanding yeah. that when someone hands you a balance sheet, that this is basically the health of your business on a piece of paper is really important to understand. You don't necessarily need to understand every nuance of it, but you just want to say assets minus liabilities equals equity, which is the sum of what you've put into the business and what you've taken out of the business, as you were talking about with distributions. So you, you want to make sure that that number is positive and if it isn't, you really want to be asking yourself why. On a, this is on a very simplified scale. Yeah, a year ago, I I moved from one apartment to another, and I hadn't done it in like eight years. But I was reminded of the horror that comes with uh, renting an apartment when you're the owner of a, of a single member limited liability company. And oh. uh, I I swear I would have conversations with the leasing leasing agents about how my income is calculated every single time and say, oh yeah, I get it. Or yeah, I have one of those too. Or yeah, my boyfriend has a business. So, so I know how it works or whatever. So I would give them the data they requested. And then somebody who was verifying would say, can you send us three months of pay stubs? And I say, and I said it that way because that's how oh, stupid yeah. they sound. Right. And I have to have this conversation over and over and over. And I say, I gave your other person the 8879, the 8879S. You need to look at this line on the 8879S and then compare it to this line on the 8879. That shows the transposition of shareholder distributions from per from business to personal. You add that to the reported salary and you can see that I actually have four times the rent that you're asking for, not three. 
Right. Yeah. They, they'll, they'll, say, they'll say, they'll say, yeah. And, and I, I don't really blame them because particularly when you're dealing with rentals of like apartment rentals and things like that, it it's changing, but you're, you're still thinking a lot, a lot of times of people who draw paychecks for, uh, for jobs that uh, bring in about $35,000 a year. And there's usually two of them to a household that combine their incomes. And that's yeah. how they get there more than three times over. Uh, so, uh, cause when people think of business owners, you think of, Oh, well, of course they own houses because a house is a tangible asset. And, you know, I've heard that story so many times and I just don't care. I like being able to pick up and leave when I don't want to be here anymore. Oh yeah. It's well, I think that's the name of the game in, in today's world everybody's renting and being mobile and moving around since, especially since remote work has become so prevalent. You can, you know, go anywhere, go work the winter and rent a place for six months. I mean, I, I think that makes perfect sense, you know, and, and try explaining your income to somebody if you're living off investment income. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I know somebody who deals with that one. That's, I mean, that, that, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an easy sell. Yeah. And, 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 and this is also someone who, who uh, rents where she lives and she has to have this conversation every time she moves because she doesn't have income in the sense that a typical person would. Right. It's all, it's, it's, uh, she, she intends to pay all the rent off of interest from investments. Right. And, and yeah. And rental agencies is just, that, that just blows their mind. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, what I want to do is I want to skip ahead a little bit. I want to tell a really funny story, and then I'm going to ask you the question related to it. Okay. Uh, I ran into somebody who uh, at a networking event a few years ago who was asking me, you know, how do you start a business? And I'm thinking, okay, they're a newbie. And when I was a newbie myself, I would make 20 minutes to answer people's basic questions because I appreciate when somebody did it for me. It's my way of giving back. Mm -hmm. So this is somebody who's thinking about starting her first business, whatever. I'll give her 20 minutes to answer, to answer some questions. And one of which was the obvious, well, do I need to form a limited liability company or an S corp or a C corp? Because my sister's friend, who's a lawyer says I can just be a sole prop. Uh -huh. And I, and I would give the two answer, the two sentence answer to that question that you and I both know. And she actually said this to me, she said, well, but but do I really have to have two separate bank accounts? I mean, oh. I, I know I know what's business and what's personal, and I'm real organized, and I could explain that. So the question <laughs> is, is uh, other than the captain obvious, why is it so important for business owners to keep their receipts and identify the personal versus business expenses? And I want to add on that in today's day and age, receipts aren't what they used to be. Sometimes you don't even get a receipt. Sometimes that receipt is an email. Sometimes that receipt is a text. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> and, so, and, so, and sometimes uh, that receipt is something that you can't even really print out or anything like that. Or you never even get a receipt. There are businesses out there that as part of their marketing strategy and their customer retention strategy don't give receipts because they don't want to remind their customers of recurring charges. Oh, we have, we have a lot of examples with that, with our clients, yeah. you know, and we, and we fight to find some, some sort of documentation. You're right. You're going to sign up at the beginning of the year. It's going to say, you're going to be charged $250 a month. You're going to send, you know, you put your payment info in and you know, you're off and running and you don't get a monthly receipt for that, but you right. do always have something when you start that partnership or that relationship with that seller. So there is always some sort of digital trail. And, and you're right, uh, you know, paper receipts are almost a thing of the past, unless I guess you're going out to eat at a restaurant. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get them. And, and candidly, my CPA doesn't really require them. No, you don't need to have the physical receipt, but you're, if, yeah. if you have a credit card statement that at least says where you went, uh, you know, yeah, it, yeah, not, yeah. deducting it for business purposes. Yeah, not, yeah, nine, yeah, 95% of it is just uh, using the, the corporation's uh, business checking account and following the steps in terms of how everything's been categorized and subcategorized in QuickBooks and plugging the right things into the right categories and subcategories. Like uh, like uh, when we did our 2022 filings, uh, I didn't give him any receipts for anything. You know what? He doesn't have to have them, but you do. 
it, yeah. it will come down to if the IRS comes knocking and that that's where it becomes important. Uh-huh. And if you don't have receipts for your meals, I mean, especially anything in the meals and entertainment arena, and you don't have it n- noted as, hey, on October 15th, I took Jan Smith out for a business dinner and you have the business. Pr- they can disallow it and they will go back and say, you don't have documentation of what this business purpose was for all of these meals. They're out. So again, you're playing the audit lottery there. So I guess it depends on how risk averse you are, but you really should have a receipt, even if your accountant doesn't have it. And we don't require receipts. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for you to say. It's not so much for your tax filings because some of that has become so streamlined that uh, and and this is an oversimplification. As long as you don't play fast and loose, the IRS will generally take your word for it as long as the numbers aren't all that big. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it isn't your accountant's responsibility to double check your work either. Yeah. A good accountant. I mean, they will, but you know, you hand your taxes over and all your receipts in the shoebox, whatever it might be these days to your tax accountant. His job isn't to say, you know what, is this meal really business? There, there is an assumption, and I'm sure it is in the engagement letter, the contract that you work out with whoever, whoever your accountant is that says, we are not auditing your receipts. You are ultimately responsible for justifying the business purpose of these of these expenses. So, you know, the account's going to take them. They're going to put them on a tax return. They're going to say, hey, I need you to sign this e-file form. Going to send it back. They're going to send it off to the IRS. You know, and, and there is in cases where there's an egregious misstatement of taxable income where, where the CPA can be somewhat liable for that. But overall, it is on you to be responsible, which is why it's really important for those two bank accounts to come into play. Because if you have it all running through one bank account, you might know what everything looks like, whatever you have it all buttoned up. You might even have all the receipts. But the IRS lady comes knocking and says, you know what, it's time for you to do an audit. And they see one bank account. Or even if you're looking at bringing on a business partner into your business and they're like, geez, they're running all this stuff through their personal bank account. And I don't have any real way of knowing, at least if you're making that attempt to completely separate the two, which mentally for me would be the only way I could do it. I mean, it's it's tough enough to keep track of what your expenses are in a business. Uh, you need to have those two separate bank accounts. You got your personal life. You treat your business like it was a job you worked at. It is a job you work at. So why would you mix the two? You don't work for McDonald's and McDonald's just uses your personal bank account. No. They, they put the money in it and then you spend it. And that's the way you should treat your business. It, it is a separate entity. You get up every day, you go work at it. You work within the bank account. You pay the business's expenses with the business bank account. And at the end of the day, you either take a salary out of the business's payroll or you do like you said, you take a distribution of profits. I take both. And you can do that too. I I, I was guided from the very beginning to take both because it's a good idea to pay at least some taxes off uh, off a W-2. Yes, you're going to- Which I I agree with. I mean- uh, I mean, uh, particularly local taxes. I, I, I mean, because that funds the stuff that's actually in my neighborhood. Right, and it keeps it keeps people off your back. You know, if they see, yeah. if they see, hey, this guy actually has a payroll. We're paying some payroll taxes here. That we're contributing to the to the the machine, if you will. Then, yeah, you know, you're in a you're in a better place. So, well, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I knew this guy. Uh, he had a business. He he then lost the business, and he's unfortunately now deceased. But I remember him telling me that. Uh, his way of getting money out of his business was to every so often uh, submit an invoice to his business for expenses in the amount of some random number, like $5,000 and $7,500. And then the business would cut him a check. And then he was bitching about getting audited all the time. Yeah, that that's uh, and, and 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 he called me and we isn't that called, what money yeah, and, and yeah and then he called me and then he called me stupid when I told him that yeah we take a percentage as W two payroll and I also take a percentage as distributions for the flat tax rate. Right, right. Yeah, well, yeah, and and and, 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 and yeah, and I reckon I recognize it from the very beginning is that uh, and and I'll give you another example in a second, but it's just it's just the it's just the idea that uh, if you show a willingness to recognize the game and play some of it that puts you in a better light because sometimes this stuff comes down to judgment calls now i think of people who have cash only businesses and i'm going to go a little bit dark side here and i'm going to summon a site dominatrices okay uh, that they would get, be an all cash business yes they get paid by their clients through cash apps these days that's how it yes. works and uh, then what they run into 
is they can't get loans, they can't get credit cards, they can't rent a place, they can't buy a place. Uh, for because for how many years they didn't participate in the system at all. Now yes. there's an obvious solution to that, which is to have what's known as a sunlight business where you do reiki healing. And you can put it on yes. And take and take and, 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 and do a few of those clients. That way you have something that's going into the system or or maybe or maybe uh or maybe uh some of those some of those guys you uh you whip with your little flog there after you're done, you give them some of the reiki to make them feel better. Exactly. So you can yeah. recognize that and you know you have right. but, but, yeah, but it comes but, yeah, but it comes down to the idea that when you play a certain amount of ball with the system, it does open a lot of doors to you. It's just the way it is. Uh, yeah, you can yeah. you can like it or hate it, but it's how it is. And unfortunately, yeah, if you want to participate, you know, that all those all cash businesses are lucrative, but you better hope you can do it up until the day you die because you're not going to have any social security unless you're a very good investment person with your cash, which is generally not the case. I, I mean, there are exceptions. Um, but yeah, participating in the system uh, does give you a certain level of comfort and does open up doors to make you to be able to live. So, yeah, you know, I would even argue that you can take your all cash business unless you're completely trying to avoid any taxation whatsoever. And you can put it into a bank account and participate in the real world, so to speak, as as a regular tax paying person. You know, you put the deposits in your business bank account again and you categorize all your expenses, you can still have a set of financial statements. It, it's right. just that, you know, you're going to be subject to that self-employment tax. You're going to lose a lot. You're just going to have to upcharge everybody. Well, you know, uh, yeah. is going to get more expensive. So that well, you can okay. Okay. So you raise your rates. That's fine. Uh, and there are guys that'll pay it uh, and, and, be, and enjoy it. And beyond that, uh, just the idea that if you run that stuff through say a limited liability company, and then you, and then you take paychecks and distributions then you also can take advantage of uh, how the corporate veil helps you separate th certain things as business expenses versus personal expenses more clearly and believably and enables you to actually keep a bit more of that money. So, yeah, you got You got to pay a bit just to, to get by and have the doors open to you. But by playing the game smart, you can minimize that. Yes. Yeah. Again, risk like, like I, like I'll never, I'll never tell anybody to be a sole prop. In fact, I yeah. tell pe I tell people that uh, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a kid that's about to graduate secondary school, uh, in addition to the, in addition to the money you're going to give them to help them buy a car, you should also give them an LLC, just I so agree. they, just, just so they have it, so they have something to run gig work through. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, in this day, everybody is so litigious these days. I would, I would put absolutely anything. Of any size in an LLC, some yeah. sort of protective uh, business vehicle so that it can be insured appropriately because people sue each other for, a, you know, anything and everything. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So we're two thirds of the way through here. And I want to get to the fun part now, which is where we use some of this stuff to gain power because knowledge is power. So this is where we talk about balance sheets. So beyond the obvious, why is it important? And more importantly, how do we learn to read that? Well, you know, it's it's like anything else. Practice and interest. You have to show an interest. You know, like I said a little bit earlier, the balance sheet is simply a, a, a picture of your business's health at any moment in time. That balance sheet's going to change every day based on the transactions that are happening within your business. Uh, the equipment you're buying, bills you're paying. So, you know, every day that balance sheet can change. Obviously, it's not efficient to look at it every day, uh, and you might not be updating it every day unless you do have a very, uh, very robust accounting system. But it is important to talk. You start at the top. You, you have assets. You walk down them. Let's see. I have a bank account on here. Does that does that cash in that bank account seem reasonable to me? Does that do I think I should have more? Should I have less? Ask yourself why. If you're not in charge of it, ask your accountant. Why? What's in this bank account? Why is this balance so low? Why don't I have any money? Uh, I have too much money, but what should I do with it? Is another important question. And you walk on down, you say, huh, accounts receivable. I have, I mean, is anybody paying me? I have a million dollars in accounts receivable, but I don't need cash. That's weird. Maybe nobody's paying me because if they don't, if you bill them and you invoice them and they don't pay you, you're not going to have any money either. You might have an asset, but you can't do anything with it. 
you know, you continue on. You have some fixed assets. We could get into some more complicated things like prepaids, but I'm, I'm going to leave that for another day. You have the fixed assets. That's the machinery, the computers, all of the office furniture, the stuff that you've bought to run your business. Uh, do How much do I have? Cars would go in there. Oh, geez, I have six automobiles. Do I really have six automobiles? Do I need six automobiles? Right. Things like that. You know, you need to ask yourself these questions. And it is simply usually a balance sheet is structured with descriptions that make reasonable sense. And, and your accountant or even QuickBooks, whatever accounting software you might be using, it has a health feature if you're not sure what it is. For it, it, but you should have a general idea of every item on that balance sheet, what it is, and if it's at least reasonable. You might not want, you don't need to reconcile it. That's what you're going to pay somebody else to do. But you need to at least say, goodness, I don't have any money because no one has paid me. I better go start talking to my customers and ask them to pay me. Uh, you know, you go on down, you have liabilities. You have your general bills. They're just bills you pay every month, your cable bill, your electric bill, payroll, you know, things like that, that, you know, just general monthly bills happen in the normal cycle of business. And then you're going to have your credit card balances. Are you charging on credit cards? It's a whole other vehicle. Big conversation can happen around credit cards also. Um, and then you have your loans. You know, how many bank loans do you have? Do you have any bank loans? Do you yeah. need any bank loans? Or, hey, I have all these bank loans and it doesn't look like I've made any payments on these loans. You know, so you need to at least know, is this the correct amount of loans? that I have? Where do these loans come from? Am I paying these loans? That's where all of that is stored. So, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, you have what's called equity. That's your blood, sweat, and tears. That's what you put into the business initially, assuming you had an initial contribution of you and your partners. And you have distributions, which is payments you've taken out of the business outside of payroll. And at the end of the day, your net income or loss factors into that. So that's the money that your business is either made or lost in the actual operation of whatever it is you have chosen to do. So, you know, it, it, that is why that's important. You know, all of those things need to make sense because you could have, you could be making millions of dollars on your profit and loss statement, but not have any money. Yeah. Right. 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 So uh, you know, yeah. that's why that's important. If, if you have, you're billing your customers every month. You're billing them $100,000 in invoices every month, but no one's paying you. You're still going to show all that money as income, but you don't have any cash. So that's why that balance sheet really tells you what's going on. Precisely. And I mean, I think of it, I, I, th I think of it uh, like this, you know, sometimes we don't like to look at our numbers, but knowledge is power. And, what I tell people is if the numbers look good, that should inspire you. If the numbers look bad, that should inspire you. Mm -hmm. When you think of when you, when you think of it that way. Yeah, it, it, different types of inspiration, but you're right. Yeah. You know, any any result like that, just having the fortitude to look at the numbers. People are often afraid. I saw some show on Netflix. It was uh, it was about taking control of your personal financial. Oh, 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 oh that's that's a real thing. Uh, and a, and a very common manifestation of it is when you recently had a lot of money come in, you're afraid to look to see if it somehow got eaten got eaten by bills overnight while you weren't looking. You're actually afraid to find out if that could have happened. Yes, it is. It's a real thing. But if you don't look, most likely it's going to be a. If you're that afraid to look, you know that something is wrong. <laughs> yeah. That should be make you want need to look even more. You know that 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 fear is is. Of hey, I I have all these things on auto pay. It's people who don't even know what streaming services they have signed up for, and that sort of thing. Uh -huh. you now that's where you know obviously an individual isn't unless you're an accountant isn't going to have a balance sheet for themselves. But you can you know the, the business you you're theoretically responsible for others within your business. So you, either it's partners, either it is yourself, your family as a result of your business. If it is just yourself, so the the things in there are really important to look at and understand. At a very high level, you don't need to spend hours every month pouring over a balance sheet, but you need to understand how to get it out of your software, or at least how to ask your accountant for it, and spend 15, 20 minutes a month walking through it and understanding the basics. It, it will it will go take you so much further in your business than you ever thought you could, and, uh, and it would be only up from there. I mean, you do that, and you, you're going to be much less likely to run into trouble.
precisely, precisely. So as far as um, now, I know you may have some recommendations on accounting softwares and how to organize your process for getting data from one person to another. So I'm going to first of all state my general philosophy on softwares for your business, whether it's for your accounting or whether it's for your project management, your time management, your email marketing, whatever it is. So first of all, uh, every single one of them is going to tell you, well, if you don't use our software, you're not really in business. You might as well get a job working at McDonald's. Like that's not noble work or something because everybody has to eat, number yes. one. Number two, uh, number two uh, is that there's really a few things that you can consider and it's not going to be a perfect science. First of all, find something that fulfills the needs you have right now to the best of its ability and be open to possibly being possibly adjusting 10% of your processes to conform with the software so that you don't have to, you know, create extra stuff, what have you think about where you're likely to be in six months to a year and is this likely to grow with you? Be aware that there may come a point where you outgrow the software and need to do another one. And at that point, you'll just do a migration. And most importantly, pick one that's going to be fun to use. Because if it's not fun, your employees and team members won't do it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, and eventually they'll put you in a situation where they'll, they'll simply refuse to use it and insist you receive the deliverables in a different way and make it a question of you either do as, do as they want or they quit. Yes. Uh, those with are all, very accurate statements. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that, what do you recommend? Well, the, the easiest and most cost-effective software, in my opinion, to use is QuickBooks. Sure. Or, uh, QuickBooks Online. It can go anywhere with you. You can access it from the internet anywhere you have access, anywhere. Um, they have a multitude of subscription prices that will get you anything from a very basic package all the way up to a very advanced package. And upgrading between those is very easy to activate more advanced features as you might need them. Um, there is a package called Zero out there that is an accounting package that is for very small businesses, very basic transaction level software that uh, might overall be a little bit less expensive than QuickBooks, but you're you're not going to be able to grow with that as easily as you would with something like QuickBooks. Um, it, it, it QuickBooks isn't perfect for every business situation. If you're starting a manufacturing business or a government contracting business or a project heavy business like construction, um, you, QuickBooks might get you off the ground, but you're going to have to be willing to move if you if you grow to any size at all because of the really specific needs for inventory tracking, project profitability tracking, things like that. So so QuickBooks can get you started with that, uh, but you're going to have to move to something a little bit more robust, such as a Sage Intact, uh, which is not fun to use, I would say. It is uh, very much an accountant-specific type software that really gets you that reporting and granular data that you're going to need. But for the everyday business, small to medium-sized businesses, service industries, basic retail sales operations, QuickBooks can do it all. It connects with a number of bill payment softwares. It connects with point of sale system software. It can do your accounts receivable collections and even collect that money from your customers. Uh, it invoice them automatically every month. So, you know, it, it has it has a, a lot of features. You can enter everything manually or you can go as automated as you want with it. So I know everybody has heard of it. Probably most people have used it, at least played with it. But that, that's pretty much where you want to start unless you're doing something unusual. Yeah, I, I think that I think that makes a, a lot of sense. And, you know, I've uh, I, and I have situations I'm gonna, not going to name anything, but I have clients of mine who uh, find themselves having difficulties getting their invoices paid because their clients insist on using these uh, bespoke, off-the-shelf, custom-built accounting systems that always backfire. And I'm thinking, you know, if they just used and you know, and we don't have to say QuickBooks is the only one because it has competitors that are also equally valid. Sure. But if they would just use something that is backed by its own robust information technology team and support system. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be having to go through nine rounds of somebody submitting an invoice to get paid on it. 
Right. QuickBooks customer support in, in, in any any canned software package like that, you want to stay away from doing anything too custom right out of the gate. First of all, you unlike, likely don't know what you really need in the way of an accounting software unless you're starting uh -huh. an accounting firm. <laughs> I guess then then maybe you might be able to go that custom route. But but like you said, you, you don't want to build something that is so specific that nobody else can work with it, including your clients. Uh, that, that makes it less likely that people you're going to hire are going to be able to work with it. You know, the Amazons of the world, the, uh, the Walmarts of the world, these giant organizations obviously are going to have bespoke software because that's that's where they are in the world. But I'm sure they didn't start that way. I will guarantee you that Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos didn't start in their garages with some crazy accounting system. They started with something that was basic, easy to use and easy to integrate with the rest of the world at that time. So, exactly. Oh, exactly. I, I to totally. I, I. It's. It's just. You know, I. You know. Some of this thinking that goes in this stuff just baffles me. When I was in a different business, we're gonna have to rewind about ten years now. Uh, this is back in the day when I would actually accept payment to build a landing page. So I've evolved a long way from that. Those three hundred dollar jobs. Now, anyway. Uh, so I took on one of those back then. Uh, they paid me, I think it was $350 for the landing page and thank you page and connected to the opt-in form in their shopping cart or whatever. So then the client got it and they said, oh, I have just a few edits. Uh, do you have a minute for me? And so we scheduled a time and I had to sit there for 20 minutes while she obsessed over one change in a, uh, in, in a, in a hex code and was measuring in millimeters the distance between the text, between the paragraph and her headshot, where, but and this is back when people actually still acted like Internet Explorer 6 was actually a browser when it wasn't. And uh, I, I, I have the right to say that. I've earned it. And uh, and we're talking about uh, between a couple of different browsers, a distance of one millimeter. And there were about five other things she wanted to she wanted to fuss over that were e just equally useless. And then she said at the end, oh, you know, and, and and this is so great. I'm going to refer all my friends to you. And I said, if this is how they process, please don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't have anything near back then the testicular fortitude I have today. So back then, that was kind of a blurt out. But I, I said it before I even thought about saying it. Right, right. You know, and so and so, and so in the details, but right. You know, the, 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 there is there is a point that you're just, you're just going to get too far into it and it's no longer productive. I don't think a millimeter is going to make a difference in anything other than maybe manufacturing parts for a car. Or a uh huh. Company. Yeah, with yeah, with other clients back when uh, back when uh, browser when I was in the web development business and browser compatibility was such a big thing because they weren't all using the same standards like they do now. Uh, yeah, there there were I mean there were projects that would get held up and it was always seemed to be a difference of one millimeter between browsers that everybody used versus Internet Explorer six. And oh, yeah. and in another case, and I said this to a client who's actually with me to this day, I said, I said, you know, we've been going back and forth over this. Your launch has been held up for a week over the distance of one millimeter uh between your foot and your in your uh in your in your picture and a button that's supposed to be standing on in one browser that eight percent of the world uses. Uh, <laughs> so what I need you to do at this point is to give me a list, names, email addresses, and phone numbers of people who have committed to paying you for this service, including giving you their credit cards in advance, as soon as you correct the one millimeter thing. <laughs> Right, and uh, and and, la and 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 la and later on, um, when I spoke at one of his events, and he introduced me on stage, he told that story in introducing me, and he said that um, that was probably that was that he was uh, up that he was up that was a really upsetting thing for him to hear because first of all, he thought that I was candidly pompous and arrogant in saying that, but what also made him mad is he knew I was right. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah. You have to tell people what they don't want to hear. You know, it's uh -huh. many, if all you want to do is is go walk in to an echo chamber, then you're you're also not going to be a successful person. You you have to be able to listen to those hard truths to to get ahead in the world. And you know, sometimes you you can't go that millimeter just isn't going to make the difference between success and failure. 
Yeah, we yeah we could go another Big two picture. hours. We can go another two hours. We're just about done here. And I know you have an invitation that you want me to extend to your audience on your behalf, which I'm about to do. And uh, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of this goes into how we're raised uh, and how it uh, leads to perfectionism and the thing that we supposedly have to be sorry for things that other people said we did wrong. And uh, and as entrepreneurs and as corporate leaders, as visionaries, uh, we need to break through a lot of that. And embrace a model where, uh, candidly, sometimes you break things as you go along. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean that—that's the speed in which in the information technology innovation moves. I mean, I mean, look at all look at all these products that Google's released, and and some of them are awesome, and a few of them were just complete train wrecks in the very beginning and never even worked. Yes, that's uh, the biggest successes in the world. That's what happens. You're not afraid to fail. If you don't fail, you don't know what you're bad at. You don't know what to improve. No. It, you know, it, it, it's just like looking at your balance sheet. Don't be afraid to look because you're, you're afraid of what might be there. Take the failure. If it looks terrible, you can take a look. You can do something about it. You can ask somebody else for advice. You know, being humble is is the very important to success in the business world. Some people might be able to take that arrogant personality and go all the way with it, kind of through brute force, but ultimately... That, that humble, questioning, open type person who's willing to listen to others is going to get ahead in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, the the, ed, the edges dull a bit and you become more rounded and, uh, and more fluid. So just a final thought here I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, a client of mine was doing a joint venture promotion where they were um, going to teach a course together. And, uh, and both of them had lists, both of them had communities. And it, it fell on my cl- – and this, when they split up the responsibilities for getting the thing launched, uh, my client took on the side where they were going to put up the webpage to to promote the program. So I'm, I'm going to make up a couple numbers here just to make the story fit. So I'm going to say that um, – I'm going to say, you know, that my client committed that the registration page would be up and ready to go by October 6th. And everybody agreed to that, thought it was good. About five days before that, give or take October 1st, their partner sent an email to their list announcing that the course is open for registration, giving the link of the URL they had agreed to to host that to host that 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 sales page and registration page, mm-hmm. knowing full well the link was broken, and uh, and so we went to the other person first. We're thinking, boy, I thought we had an agreement here, and the partner said. Oh yeah, I, I know full well you're going to have that thing up by the six. I'm not I'm not even worried about that, and you're going to do a fantastic job with it. I just didn't want to wait. So if anybody complains to you about the broken link, just send them to me. I'll sell them over the phone. Uh, <laughs> well, that's an example of course. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's hubris. Yeah, but that, if that you, is. If you, but if you can carve off twenty percent of that and apply that to what you're doing, think of the possibilities. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Endless. Endless possibilities. Yeah. But, yeah. So I need so so Kira, I need your help with this one because uh, I don't. Uh, I realize now there's a piece of data I don't have, so you're going to fill it in. Now I know you have available a a free rapid finance assessment. It's basically a short questionnaire um, that can lead to a quick call with you to assess some of the things having to do with this whole topic: financial health, operations, processes, systems, technology, and the whole budget cash flow projection things. I yeah. just don't know where to find it. Oh well. You can go to our website. It's kwccpa.com. Okay, uh, I'm there. And then if you go to, you got it, now you got me going there. My <laughs> <I don't laughs> heart. Uh, yeah, see, that, that's what I mean. We acquire so many websites that sometimes we forget. And I do so many of these interviews. It's like the one in a hundred where I, I uh, realized there, just now there was a note there that said I had to ask you. Uh, well, so, so, so the way we're going to reframe this is, we're extending the invitation together as a team effort. Yes, absolutely. I, I explained what it was. You're going to draw on the map. Okay. So once you're on our website, you can go to services and client advisory services on there. Uh-huh. And you, you, you can read about a variety of the things that we offer. And then personal touch, that all the way down at the bottom, there's a people. Yep. And under you can reach out to anybody at our firm, but if you want to find me, it's going to be under the manager's link. Right. And you'll scroll till you find my my beautiful face in the bottom row. Uh-huh. And if you click on that, it's going to bring up 
my email and my contact information. So you can right. email me there. I will send out. We don't we don't have the financial questionnaire on our website. It, we do tailor it to you. It's a it's a completely no. We don't need any money from you. We don't need any credit card information. Just reach out to us. Love to talk to you about your business. Take a look at a set of financial statements or whatever you might have. Give you some ideas, you know, and and, and go from there. So, you know, just love to, to meet you. Talk about what you're doing, where you want to go. Maybe give you some free insights and, uh, and, and see what happens. Right. So to reel this in, go to www.kwccpa.com. Find the people who work there, go to the managers, and look up Kira Wisman. That's spelled K-I-R-A-W-I-S-S-M-A-N, uh, the lovely woman who's been sharing with us for the past hour. Her contact information is there. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it because I actually want you to visit the website, and she may change it. So I don't want I want this to stay evergreen forever. Uh, yes. And just go there. Uh Tell her you heard about this on the Business Creators Radio Show. Um, you know, if it's okay, we can put your email address in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. You can yeah, find that, me on that... LinkedIn also. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn under Kira Wisman as well. Oh, very good. We will certainly do that. And uh, and just go there. Uh, tell her you heard about us on the Business Creators Radio Show, and you would like the questionnaire. She'll know what it means. I get no remuneration for this because, after all, it's free. And uh, – but I think it might be a great way for you to get a little individualized consultation and just get an assessment of where you are right now. Maybe discover a few things you didn't realize that could help you. Absolutely. So, I love perfect. talking to everybody. So, you know. Yeah. So, so, so go ahead and do that. And with that, Kira, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Adam. I really enjoyed it. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.